0: Welcome to okay. another. O- well, hey, I can't. Go ahead. Oh, I didn't know you were I was just gonna uh, say I can't. I can't bring it up yet, but I didn't <laughs> know you were starting. That's, me. That's cool. It's cool. Uh, welcome to another ouinsider.com podcast. I'm RJ Young. I'm joined by OUI staff writer Colin Kennedy. We had a little pre-production meeting, and we're giddy because stuff, stuff is weird. It's a very weird time, Colin.
1: Content, ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> it is everywhere. <laughs> who would have thought? What a time we live in. Oh I'm ready to talk some
0: sports. I swear, like three weeks ago, we were like, what are we going to talk about? Like, there's there's nothing. <laughs> and now, all right, now let's start. Let's talk about Nathan Rollins Kaibonj, uh, who we saw a flurry of crystal balls come in with, like, if you check the timestamps, and I really love this feature on 247 Sports where you can check on the rankings, check on the kids and there. We had a lot of detailed information over here that's quite literally free. You can go check out this stuff. But like one of the things that I'm always interested in is not just what the crystal balls say, but when they're logged. And now that we have this really cool feature called Confidence Score that allows an analyst to give a rating of 0 to 10, 10 being most confident, 0 being not confident at all, as to how they think that this crystal ball is going to go. We saw a flurry four in RK as he's going by. And they were like two minutes apart for like all the national guys. Like they were all on the same group chat going, hey, did you see this? Yeah, I saw that. Let's go put the, uh, the crystal balls in. It's like, I, I want to say it was like five in like three minutes there, Colin.
1: Oh, it was a bunch. I mean, I got a text and I was like, are you seeing what's going on? And I was flipping over. Next thing you know, I mean. There's a whole bunch of OU emblems. I know as soon as Huffman puts something in, oh, yeah. I'm like, all right, bet. It's over. Right. I mean, Huffman knows what he's talking about, especially when it comes to NRK. So then I started calling people, and next thing you know, I'm getting the tips. I put one in. I believe my trapping score is like a 7 or 8. Mm-hmm. I mean, for me, okay, he's approaching a announced commitment date, June 17th, if I remember correctly. Right. I, I From what I could gather – it makes a ton of sense right now for OU to be the favorite because obviously, as we've documented on OU Insider, the staff has really pushed for him. Jamar Cain, who has become an incredible recruiting weapon, has been instrumental in the recruitment of NRK, and obviously the staff has kind of wanted him to announce his decision a little bit earlier than maybe he would originally anticipate. But now that it's kind of been set in an earlier manner, that to me indicates that, okay, something's trending in the Sooners' direction. In addition to that, I thought that Huffman brought up a fantastic point on 24-7 sports when he said, look, Stanford's admission takes a while. I mean, it, it takes a long time for these kids to really have an idea of whether or not they can be accepted and actually be on campus at Stanford University. And when you factor that in, that also would indicate that, OK, this guy's making a decision when he knows full well, he might, may not have a guaranteed spot on Stanford's roster or in their classroom. I'm not saying that because I don't know what the kid's grade situation is. I'm just talking about the process that's actually implemented by the university. So knowing that hurdle to jump, it would make a lot of sense that Oklahoma, who doesn't necessarily have that kind of obstacle in his way, could say, look, man, if you commit to us right now, we've got you, you're good. I mean, you can be a member of the class tomorrow. So I'm not calling it a guaranteed done deal, but in my opinion, all the arrows are indicating that Oklahoma is in a great position for a very, very good defensive
0: line. Right. I mean, uh, let's start with the particulars. About for folks that aren't caught up on this, Rollins is six foot seven, two forty. So long, long, long. Two sports star in basketball and football, as you might imagine, he's not necessarily you know out there being a jockey. He's getting it done on a basketball court. But I'm taking a look at the at the crystal balls here, right? Because like. I haven't logged one and I probably should, but I'm looking at Brandon Huffman who's 52 for 52 in crystal balls this year. Greg Biggins 76 for 76. Our guy Drum 24 27. Blair Angelo is 43 of 43. I mean, Wilt Fong is 252 for 254 and and you my man are 15 of 15 and we I, all of these crystal balls came in on the same date. <laughs> And we got, let me see, one, two, three, four, five, six within two hours of each other. But no, That'll give me my point. I was like, they were all in the same few
1: hours then, let alone a day.
0: Right. So this is the number two player in the state of Oregon. Uh, it's the top 20 strong side defensive end and top 300 player in, uh, well, 315 in the 247 Sports Composite. He's a four-star recruit. And yeah, all of a sudden the defensive line is long and lean, and that's, I mean, that's what you want. Now, we're going to go ahead and continue to count the junior college products uh, that they that they got, right? And we're going to count Clayton Smith, and we're going to count, well, I mean, if Kaibonch doesn't commit, it'll be a shock at this point. But here's the thing about Stanford. One, Oklahoma is already reeled one away, right, in the national single-season record holder for receiving yards, one Marvin Mims. And this would be another. But because that process does take some time, right? I am not at all certain right now that this commitment sticks if it took place in the first place. Because if you know that you got in, that might change some things. Because, like, I'm talking with a number of of recruits not unlike you that are considering low-major, mid-major, and FCS schools, right? And, like, Ivy's and academies have been through Oklahoma and parts of North Texas like gangbusters here in the last few weeks but the the king of those right is Stanford if Stanford offers you and you get in it's real difficult to tell your parents you're not going to go there because one it is a power five football program and David Shaw went like like I want to say like six years until he had a bad year and it's Stanford like how are you going to go wrong you can get drafted and you graduate from Stanford, so that would be the challenge for me. Is like if you won this rec- uh, this commitment next week, as these crystal balls would have many believing. What are the chances you think that Oklahoma can get him to signing day, Colin? That's
1: going to be the real hurdle for me. I remember you talk about how much that offer and acceptance carries when it comes to Stanford. I remember a long, long time ago, a guy by the name of Caden Smith, who was a former teammate of mine. He was the number one tight end by some recruiting outlets. I believe 24-7 sports had him at number three. I mean, the dude was a monster. I knew mean, Texas State and m really wanted him. Uh, Alabama, a lot of major programs were pursuing this guy. And I still remember as soon as he got the Stanford offer, he looked at a bunch of us and said, oh, I want to go to Stanford. I mean, that's how fast the Cardinal can flip a prospect's mind as soon as they know they have a guaranteed spot. Whereas the Mem situation was, okay, he was a longtime Stanford commit, if I remember correctly, and then eventually flipped to Oklahoma right. as they got closer to signing day. This could very much be a position where Stanford has an opportunity to get some revenge, if you want to put some flashy terms on it, because, again, this is a, a school that Cabanj has said in the past is a dream location of his. I mean, it's a university that he's always envisioned himself going to, but... Of course, as we've mentioned, you just don't know the process of getting there right now. Whereas Oklahoma, there's probably a little bit more of a clear-cut path. So while the commitment could very well happen here in the next few days, what transpires afterwards is really what you have to follow. Because the moment that the Stanford Cardinal know that they can get that guy on campus and guarantee him a spot, that for me is when the race is really going to amp up. And Again, I can't point to it enough. I mean... Stanford was at one point the crystal ball leader for this guy, and it wasn't even close. And now, as we've seen, as the process has kind of unfolded, Oklahoma's taking control. But nothing could really sway me away from the idea that Stanford could regain some momentum in this thing as signing day approaches.
0: So from that, I kind of want to switch gears to, well, uh, your favorite sport, that'd be Major League Baseball. But we had a Major League Baseball draft last night, and I don't want to get into how pissed off the rest of us are right now that Major League Baseball just can't figure this thing out. However, I, I didn't get around to checking this out, but I need to, and maybe you just have the answer because you're Colin Kennedy. I feel like between baseball and football, I know Oklahoma has had a first-round draft pick for three-plus years, but I'm thinking about that streak. Is it longer than that?
1: All right, so Oklahoma baseball has actually had a pretty long string of draft picks when it comes to MLB draft. I'm actually going to pull up the, the numbers here because it's pretty staggering. Well, I mean, I'm, so I'm, looking,
0: baseball, I'm looking for first-rounders to start.
1: Yeah, so okay. Oklahoma baseball has had first-rounders— in the top 10 rounds every year since 2011, and they've had first-rounders obviously being Kyler Murray, Cade Cavalli. Um, there are a number of guys that have been selected in the top. Right. I believe in the history of the program, or if I remember correctly, there have been 10 first-round picks. Mm-hmm. Uh, don't quote me on that exactly, though, but I know that obviously Cavalli and then OU signee at Howard, if you want to expand it to signees as well, Oklahoma's had their fair share going back to, of course, Bobby Wood Jr.,
0: just last year, you draft. Well, no, we we count that because, like, I was actually having this discussion with uh, another baseball enthusiast and, well, OU draft nut last night, and I was going, okay. So we do we get to count these commitments that Skip Johnson earned from guys like Ed Howard and Bobby Wood Jr. Uh, toward the, the tally? He's like, yeah, I would because, I mean, what they have said is if I did not choose to go to Major League Baseball, I would have gone there, and you get to keep that in your back pocket Forever, which I get. So, like, Kyler Murray, number nine uh, nine overall selection, and then John Gray. That's the one I forgot about. Uh, third overall in 2013, along with K. Cavalli going 22nd overall. So, that's three in the past decade, which I think... So, Kyler, Baker, then this year it was uh, Kenneth Murray and CeeDee Lamb. So, that's three years. I Man, so... We're looking at back-to-back years. Okay, so just back-to-back years because we didn't have anybody in 2017 get drafted in the first round out of OU baseball. All right, that was that was really my question. But Cavalli going in the first round, I, I don't know, man. Maybe it's because I just don't follow it as closely as many others do. But that was kind of surprising to me given that he didn't really get an opportunity to show much and people are really, I mean, this season didn't get an opportunity to show much. And it seemed like he was propelled forward from what he did while playing for the uh, the U.S. team in the last summer. Uh, do I have that wrong, or is that the general thinking here?
1: Uh, you're definitely on to something. Okay. I think okay. there are a lot of factors here. Cavalli getting to participate with the U.S.A. team was definitely a big deal. He got to sharpen his talent to be coached by some really sharp minds. And as a result, I think he became a better college baseball player. I would also add that, okay, you're talking about a guy who as a sophomore – had about a 3.28 ERA on the mound in 12 starts, and he also carried an over 300 batting average of the plate in 70-plus at bat. So around that time, I remember talking to a lot of scouts, and they're like, this is the time where we've really had him catch our attention because this dude is handling uh, both ends, and he's doing it at a level than higher than a lot of other players. For me, what really hit the scale, although you'll look at the numbers and say, okay, in a limited amount of action last season, he had an over-4 ERA, and the strikeout number's were really good, the walk number's were really good, but he has a high number of on-base percentage guys, and there are just a little bit of concerns here and there. What really set the scale for me is this guy decided for the first time in the history of his baseball career that he was going to focus solely on pitching.
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: once he did that and focused through the offseason and allowed Skip Johnson to spend a whole lot of time with him, just focusing on that one aspect of the game, I mean, this dude got leaps and bounds better. I can't even really begin to describe how good this guy looked on the mountain in person in some of those few games in the last season. Now, I would also mention to you that Cage Cavalli is someone who has boosted his draft status because of the baseball IQ, some of the intangibles that you don't necessarily see on paper. I mean, for the first time in, what, 30-plus years of, coaching, Skip Johnson allows Cade Cavalli to be the first pitcher, if ever allowed to call his own game. I mean, that speaks volumes, guys. I mean, Skip Johnson coaches freaking Clayton Kershaw in his spare time. Like, that's a big deal to allow a guy like Cade Cavalli to call his own game. As a result, I think when you talk about this guy being about six foot four, he's probably going to be 230. I mean, he's a big-bodied dude, and he's got the velocity sitting 94, 95, 96, 97. He can get up to 98. Really good stuff in terms of the breaking ball. There are just a lot of the tools that come together now. He kind of slid, and when you talk about the surprises, he got in that first round, which is really surprising if you knew who he was, maybe in the freshman. But some people were also pretty surprised that he dropped a little bit into those 20s. But for me, it also points to some of the things that the NLP network analysts were pointing out. We talk so much about five tool players in baseball, but one of the most instrumental tools is that sixth tool, which is durability. Are you on the field? And Cav has a history of injury problems. I mean, it's just a matter of fact. It, it, it's a bummer thing to say. For me, it's not really that much of a concern. But I think that he was able to get into that first round and fulfill that surprise that some people may have because now that injury concern can kind of fade away now that he's focusing solely on the pitching aspect of the game, if that makes sense.
0: Yes, it does. And, and I actually, man... The more I see Skip Johnson recruiting, the more I'm going. Not now. I'm just salivating about kids that probably aren't going to be here, like Bryce Clavin, and now Ed Howard, who was the number one rated shortstop in this uh, in this class. But like, I feel like we talked a bit about him. But what are OU fans missing out? And what? Well, what are the Cubs getting in Ed Howard?
1: Oof, I mean, this guy. He may be the best pure defender in the entire draft class no matter position or ranking. I mean, he's just such a good guy in the field. That just speaks volumes to what he can do with the glove, with his arm. For me, I had him as a top 10, 12, 15 kind of guy. He goes at 16 to the Cubs. And obviously the video is going viral today that Theo Epstein tells Ed Howard as a kid playing Little League baseball, he's going to draft him one day. And then six years later, guess what happens? But (laughs) there's good reason for that. I mean, this guy, Ed Howard, for me, not only is he an incredible talent in the field, R.J., but the, the one knock on him was the, the approach at the plate. And obviously this guy, okay, a season ago, he had kind of an up-and-down year at the plate. And then obviously this past season, Chicago high schoolers weren't able to play baseball because of obviously the coronavirus pandemic and how Chicago high school baseball works out. So Ed Howard really had kind of two years taken away from him. But when you put on the tape, this guy tracks the ball really well. He knows how to get the barrel of the bat to the ball. He just knows how to understand the game and then put it into execution. And so I think that Chicago's getting a future star. I really thought that he was someone that should have gone in the top 10, top 12 range, but for him to go to 16 and Chicago to be able to get an in-state guy, I mean, Chicago Cubs fans should be absolutely thrilled. I mean, one day we're going to be talking about Ed Howard as an absolute perennial superstar and, I mean, you're going to see guys like Bobby Wood Jr., Ed Howard, Roman, the big leagues, and think, man, what happens if they end up in Norman? But, hey, that's what Skip Johnson's doing these days on the recruiting trail. And I'd send my cap to him for at least putting in the effort trying to get these top-tier guys on camp.
0: Addison Russell, Javier Baez, better watch your back! I'm just going <laughs> to put it out there. That's all I'm saying. So to cap off this segment, in 2013, John Gray gets drafted in the first round. In 2013, Lane Johnson gets drafted in the first round. 2018 baker mayfield goes number one overall to the cleveland browns also kyler murray uh, gets drafted in the you know first round of major league baseball and then 29 or 2020 excuse me we see kenneth murray jr cd lamb get drafted and then of course we saw kate cavalli get drafted so good things tend to happen with ou baseball if they're happening with ou football and i really love how this is all working together um uh, Switching gears to football again, back to uh, recruiting. So Kyrie Jackson, about this time last week, dropped uh, a top six of who he's considering. He's going to take his recruitment all the way through the football season. Coming out of East Mississippi Community College, for those of you that uh, think that sounds familiar, one, you remember Buddy from the first Last Chance you. You remember Get Out of the Way, Cameraman. And you also remember LaColton Bester, also comes out of Scuba in East Mississippi Community College. Now, he's big, he's long, he's rangy. He seems to have all of the tools that Justin Harrington has. And we could see that, you know, Alex Grinch is not shy about going into junior college to try to get a kid. But, hey, Colin, feels like it's, it's anybody's right now. And if I'm going to give it to anybody, I'm not necessarily high on OU. I'm high on Ole Miss right now. Or do I have that wrong?
1: No, I think you're definitely right. Uh, there are obviously some... Really good spot. I think Alabama's in a really good spot. I know that this guy has labeled Florida as DBU in the past as well. So Oklahoma's going to have their work cut out for him. Um, I I think Kyrie is definitely a player that when you watch the tape or you get a sense of what this guy can do, you certainly understand why Alex Grinch and Roy Manning. Oregon,
0: not Ole Miss. Excuse me. Oregon yeah yes yes Oregon I, I felt like you meant Oregon no, so no my bad. No my, bad no my bad no no step on me when I get that wrong step on me
1: hey our, our job is to talk a bunch sometimes we're going to say things here and there but at the same time Oregon's a really good spot like I said I I, I really like Alabama as well Florida I know he had Kentucky in there South so Carolina really Ala- yeah. Fighting for the-
0: yeah so let me, yeah, let, me so- let me just go through the list right quick Florida Oklahoma yeah. Alabama South Carolina Oregon and Kentucky all right cool with a commitment date? Well, no, Dang, I screwed this one all the way up. Who am I thinking about then? Because he said a commitment date for July 11th. Who am I thinking about? You may be thinking about maybe Dejounte Warren. And I mean, the, is it Warren that's announcing here pretty soon? Because Warren's the number one player that, uh, in Warren is the number one player in the country. Yeah. But I thought I thought he was gonna man maybe because I thought he was gonna commit in July. Ugh. Yeah, I hate this.
1: Warren's announcing in December, but uh, but Jackson's okay. announcing my in, in July. That's my bad. But you're all you are right, of course, that he released that top six and he's wanting to announce here pretty soon. So Yeah. It's a lot
0: to understand. Fire me <laughs> <laughs>
1: God! senior college players, there's so many guys to keep up with these days.
0: Uh some guys are committed, some guys are not committed, some guys committed but we're not sure. Some guys come out of Iowa Western. Some guys come out of Scuba. Some guys come out of uh, Bakersfield. All right. I am not going to let that go. All right. Kyrie Jackson. Let, let's just go ahead and click on the link because R.J.'s an idiot, right? So July 11th is the date, all right? He is being recruited heavily by Alabama, Florida, Kentucky, Oklahoma, and Oregon. Hell, who's going to beat out Carl Scott, man? 6'3", uh, 197 pounds. Coming out of Upper Marlboro, Maryland. All right, all right. I could, let, but Torian Gray's been so good. Okay. Now that I have my facts straight, I still like Oregon. <laughs> I still hey, like I don't Oregon. I do not blame you on good either. Okay. Uh, I will. Un- I can. I can unpack that, or you know, we can. We can get off this segment just as soon as we got started on it. Cause I'm six foot three hundred ninety-seven as a corner. Does he continue to play corner? Like that's the other question I really have for a lot of these guys because it feels like we're taking corners and we're making them safeties. I I have yet to see like the guy that came into Alex Grinch's scheme, not named Trey Brown. Well, I guess Jaden I guess Jaden Davis, but Jaden Davis thought he was gonna play Nickel. And then we haven't seen what Jeremiah Cordell is actually gonna do. We've only kinda sort of seen nickel. Kinda sort of seen safety, but he's the safety. Woody Washington Went in there to play safety when Justin Broyles got exposed in the Peach Bowl, but like B- Buki's not going to play corner as much as I'm going. Yo, so no, nah, like, are we just recruiting defensive backs at this time who have the height and the weight, or are we recruiting players? Like, I, I don't know anymore, Colin, because like we feel like we only yeah. we only get to know, nail down that he likes them, he likes them tall, and he likes them long, and he likes them with speed, and I'm going. Don't we all? But apparently, rather than go get the blue chippers out of high school, he's he's real focused on if, if a guy can play in Juco, I'm gonna go get him. Yeah, and I think that there's definitely something to that. I mean, think
1: about it. We've talked in the past about how Alex Grinch has kind of kind of built like a niche in recruiting world. He wants his specific mold of player. And if we're being honest with ourselves, yeah, everyone wants the the six foot three cornerback, but there also aren't too many of them. I mean, still, the quarterback position is probably manned by a lot of six-footers, six-ones. So if you're going to make your living on six-two, six-threes, you kind of have to be a little bit flexible when you're pursuing these guys. So I-, I think you bring up something that warrants some conversation. I mean, if you're going to establish a niche, especially in defensive back recruiting, where you want the long, the lanky, and they have to be fast, I mean, do you just go get that mold and then say, okay, we'll establish where this guy plays later. For me, that's probably what Alex Grinch is probably doing right now. I mean, especially when you're recruiting out of the junior college ranks because you have to build this defense how you want it very quickly. You can't be too picky when you're going out there and finding what you want, and what you want is that six-foot-three corner like a Kyrie Jackson. So I, I think you bring up something that's kind of interesting. Maybe Alex Grinch is looking at this and saying, okay, I could wait and I could try and get guys that don't necessarily fit my mold, but they fit an exact position, or I can go get the dude that I know that I want, and then later on I can groom them to play the positions that I feel fit them best. Maybe that's the right approach. Maybe it isn't. I don't think we'll really know until maybe two years down the road when a lot of these new guys that he's recruited have arrived on campus and kind of helped him build the early stages and chapters of the Alex BD defense. But for right now, I can kind of see the validity of it. I mean, it's really, really hard to recruit in a very specific zone of defensive back recruiting when you know also that everyone else is going after the exact same guys. What do you think, RJ?
0: Am I off to base there? No, and I, I also think that the, it's a Washington State frame of mind, right? It's a Mount Union state of mind it's it's some parts of hey i'm i came from a place where we had 19 safeties to a place that nobody wanted to go and he's kind of finding a happy medium i think because uh, like i continue to to tell people he turned a six foot two 254 pound man into an all-american defensive tackle all right like i don't <laughs> doubt the development and i just it's also not it's washington state right it's not oklahoma that said by all means, dunk on me. But one more thing to keep in, in in mind as we watch Kyrie Jackson's commitment date is July 11th, RJ. July 11th. Ole Miss is <laughs> not on the list, you dummy. All right. Rosters, right? There are 12 corners. <laughs> 12 corners on Florida's roster right now, right? One commit. There's eight corners on Kentucky's roster right now. Zero commits. There are seven corners on Oregon, Alabama's roster. With two commits to Oregon and none to Alabama so far. And then Oklahoma has the fewest number of corners on the roster right now. And zero commits. So I thought it might be uh, Latron McCutcheon that might be in first. He's taking his time. Might be Kyrie that's in first. So I want to I want to actually just kind of trot that out. In that this might be the year to really watch Alex Grinch's recruiting. Because one, it's position of need. And two, there are no corners that are committed to this class even as he seems to be loading up on defensive line talent I mean golly I mean between Ethan Downs, Isaiah Coe, Clayton Smith and if they get Nathan's, Rollins, Kai Bonge, that yeah all right I'm, I'm with it I'm with it all right so last thing that I want to do is Kayla Williams gave a commitment date of July 4th last to check 27 crystal balls 27 Oklahoma but I want to piggyback that with, with some a little bit of more news, right? So Emeka Egbuka got to talk to 247 sports national guy, Brandon Huffman. And he broke down Clemson. He broke down Ohio State. He broke down Oklahoma. He broke down his hometown, Washington Huskies. Uh, yo, man, the mere fact that Egbuka is still considering Oklahoma when he's considering Ohio State lean, I find fascinating, right? And most of what he likes about Oklahoma revolves around how they've been recruiting, specifically at quarterback. He names Caleb Williams and Dennis Simmons, which I think are the two best plays you have to make if you're Lincoln Riley. Check out what Dennis Simmons has done in the past with wide receivers, with D.D. Westbrook, with Sterling Shepard, with, all right, or does he predate Sterling? No, he had Sterling. He had Sterling. Okay. And then with, you know, uh, Hollywood, CD, who did I miss? C.D. Westbrook. Okay, yeah, coming out of JUCO. So, if Emeka wanted to go to Oklahoma, nobody's turning down anything but their collar, right? But Heartline has been up on him since March of last year. Heartline also got Julian Fleming to get there. Mookie Cooper is over there. Garrett Wilson is over there. And Justin Fields is gonna be gone so how do you feel about Kyle McCord being your guy or Jack Miller or CJ Stroud or whichever one of those quarterbacks ends up winning but also joining that historic recruiting class because if they get him and JT Molau, you're talking about challenging for the best recruiting class in the rankings history and then Washington Washington and Clemson are interesting to me Clemson because they just picked up Trey Stolato right and I thought that th- that countered with Justin Ross being out for the season and his football future being very much in question was interesting. But then, as I said, nobody's going to turn down Egg Buka if he wants to come. And then Washington, how are you going to feel if you're Washington and you lose out on this kid? Like, help me with that, Colin, because like I, I, I feel that with Josh Proctor. I felt that with Dax Hill. I'm not sure it's the same, but is it?
1: No, I think there's definitely some some comparisons there. I mean, RJ, if you look at the, the player rankings in this cycle, it's actually – Pretty staggering, yeah. The the amount of talent in the Washington area right now, yeah. and the Huskies are seemingly losing out on everybody. Yeah, I mean, that would be devastating. I mean, think about the, the the absolute insanity that would take place if there were that many prospects in the state of Oklahoma. Oh, you lost out on every single one. I mean, there's definitely some concerns if you're Husky fans to see guys in that state like Egbuka. I believe. JT is in that state as well. Mm-hmm. There are some other guys like Calvert, who's a linebacker prospect, really good. I believe he's trending towards USC. I mean, there's just a ton of dudes out in that state that are looking at other places. But obviously, when you talk about a, a Buka in Oklahoma, Caleb Williams said in that little announcement, hey, when I announce on the 4th of July, there are going to be fireworks. Mm-hmm. And he seemed to make it indicate that. They, he wasn't talking about the fireworks in the sky. He was talking about some other major announcements falling after him. So maybe Egbuca starts trending in that direction. Obviously, the wide receiver position in this class is really fun to follow. There are a lot of guys that could easily play for Oklahoma right now, but because of the ties and because of the pursuit of Caleb Williams specifically, they kind of had to narrow their search and focus on a few select guys to fill out that position. So. You think about okay, what could happen next? Maybe is it Egbuka, who has a very strong relationship with Caleb Williams? Is it Julio Farouk who has indicated Oklahoma is very much a player in his race? I'm very fascinated to see what happens after the Caleb Williams commitment, wherever he may be. I think we all kind of have an idea that Oklahoma is the front runner. So if the Sooners are in fact the case, does that mean they immediately overtake heartline of Ohio State for Egbuka? Does that mean they immediately take over? Maryland's pretty strong positioning for Farouk I mean there's a lot of weight to be carried when you talk about the other position players that could fill out alongside Caleb Williams so the the July 4th announcement date is a lot bigger than just getting a guy like Caleb Williams in the class it means a lot about what the overall class picture will end up being
0: Washington is kind of in its Belgium period meaning like Belgium a few years back when they had the Golden Generation, where I thought that if they were ever going to win a World Cup, it was gonna be with that squad. Cause for Tongan, my goodness, uh, oh, Lukaku, Fellaini, like they just they were stacked, and I was so mad at them because I'm going, this is gonna be the best Belgium team in the history of the world for all time, and you guys are squandering it because J T two and Mola like Emeka Ekbuka, is the number seven player in the country, and he's the number two player in Washington. Sam Huard is the number 20 player in the country, and he's the number three player in Washington. Like, what? He's the, how do you feel if you're Sam Huard and you are the number one player at your position and the number three player in your state? Like, come on, man. Like, along with guys like Julian Simon, who's committed to SC, he's a top 150 player. Clay, uh, Clay Millen, that's going to be interesting because he's another uh, quarterback and we'll see what he ends up doing. But Junior Alexander is trending toward Arizona State. He's a top 250 player. So Washington, uh, goodness me, Jimmy Lake, like I don't, it's your first year. I understand it's a pandemic. I understand extended dead period, but damn dog. Like, I don't know which would make me more upset as a, as a, just a recruiting Nick, like a recruiting nerd. If Kamar Wheaton ends up at SMU or Egbuka ended up at Oklahoma. Because, like, for me, the real coup would be if Southern Methodist was able to get a five-star running back that Oklahoma wanted. Like, I don't, I don't, it ain't like the Pony Express is down there. You know what I mean? It ain't like they're playing for college football playoff spots, all right? So, like, if Sonny Dykes was able to do that. That would be tremendous, but also if Oklahoma could steal away the number one wide receiver in the country for the second time in three years and a kid that everybody would bet to Ohio State right now, what a flex that would be. Almost like the kind of flex where you go from one five-star quarterback to another five-star quarterback, for those of you that think it's out of the question. So um, Colin, is there anything else you wanted to add here? No nah, man, I think
1: that does, just about that, does it. It's okay. always fun. <laughs> next time we got to make sure we, we we ease up on the laughs. Next time we'll make sure we're on our P's and Uh for The next podcast. Good
0: God, man! Yes, uh, <laughs> all, all me. I have I I have had a week, people. I I have had a week. I mean, politically, sportsy. This conversation that I will never ever be able to tell you guys about that I had with Colin. Yeah, just give me a mulligan. Just, 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 just give me, give me one, especially on the Kyrie Jackson stuff. Just, 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 just let me have this. I need a moment. All right. Follow Colin on Twitter at CKennedy247, at CKennedy247. He's doing excellent work every day. This man is dropping knowledge. And of course, Brandon Drum get you hooked up with the VIP stuff every morning. He's got something new. Man is working his butt off getting this news out there and enjoy his uh, his video vlog series with, well, commits and guys that we expect might have Oklahoma at the top of their list. Those have included Bryce Foster, Cullen Montgomery. That's all over on the VIP board at OUinsider.com. Colin, thanks, man. I appreciate you.
1: Always fun, dude. All
0: right, brother. Talk to you.